Children's Church. Amen. Amen. Everyone close their eyes and bow their heads. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, O oh God, for you being God all by yourself. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Can't thank you enough for it. For the word declares that every day we wake up, we get new mercies, O oh God. Every day that I open my eyes, I get new mercy, a new grace, O oh God, a grace that I didn't even experience yesterday. And for that, I am grateful, Father God. I thank you, O oh God, for everyone here under the sound of my voice, Father God. I pray, O oh God, you have your way today, O oh God. We declare that we will be victorious, O oh God. We bind up the enemy. He has no power in this place. Father God, we call him a defeated foe in the name of Jesus, oh God. I thank you that we have the victory through our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, thank be God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am victorious, oh God. I am fighting a fixed fight and I thank you, Father God, that I've already won, Father God. I thank you, oh God. So I pray you have your way, Father God. Draw by your spirit. Let your spirit come forth and come with power, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Real quick, as you know, we've been in a series called Prayer and Fasting. Have you stand? We're going to read the Word of God. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. I have it on the screen as well. Verse 8 and 9. Just a couple verses. 1 Kings 21, 8 and 9. And it says this. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There was a young man who went to the library. He went to the library and he had to find a specific librarian. He's going to the library. He remembers her face. He says, hey, ma'am, uh, I checked out a, a, a book on Greece, his Greek history. Uh, I need to check that book out again. Do you remember me? And the librarian looked at him. She said, yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, sir. I do remember you. I do remember you, the book. He said, but do you remember the exact book? And she said, yes, I remember the exact book. She was ecstatic. Uh, she had been trying to get people to learn about Greek history and all these things. And no young people really wanted to learn or was enthused about Greek history. She finally found a young man that she had found and wanted the book. So he came to her and said, you know the exact book? She says, yes. She goes to give it to him. And she said, what did you like most about this book? And he said, well, really, I wrote a girl's phone number in there and I forgot it. And I need that book back to get her number. The librarian was messed up. So today we're going to talk about this. Ulterior motives. Ulterior motives. What is a motive? A motive is a reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden and not obvious. While we've been praying and fasting for these last 21 days, and it's been amazing. I've seen God do some things and not do some things in my life but other people's life. I've heard some testimonies, and I'm grateful for all the things God is doing. And, and we have to understand that when we're praying and fasting, if we have ulterior motives, God won't move on your behalf. Yeah. Fasting doesn't automatically make God move for us. If our hearts are filled with rebellion, with pride, unconfessed sin, we are not fasting, you're on a diet. All right, I want to make that clear. Not fasting, you're on a diet. You can do all that and still eat right. I've given you examples in the Bible and it showed you the power of praying and fasting over the last few weeks of God doing totally different things. And I had actually another message prepared, then God switched it up on me. 
when I read this scripture. So God led me to this text, and he wanted to tell you and remind me that if we are praying and fasting with the right motives, nothing's going to change. Yeah, yeah. This particular text, we are dealing with Ahab and, and Jezebel, the king and queen of Israel at this time. So I got to give you a little history on them. 1 Kings 16, 30 says this. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. First of all, the first problem is that Ahab took a wife that God didn't tell him to take. He took a wife that worshipped pagan gods. So God didn't want anyone to marry anybody that didn't worship him. It was specific reasons why God didn't want that. Uh, some people have tried to change this and say, well, God only wanted certain people to marry certain people. We shouldn't marry interracial. That's foolishness. That's not what God is saying. It's all about worshiping him. He didn't want anybody that didn't worship him to marry somebody who didn't. Because Jezebel came in the house of Israel. She's the queen of Israel, the nation that knows God. And she set up tribes and temples to worship Baal. She set up prophets of Baal. So God didn't want that. So that's why the Bible tells us that we should be equally yoked. So I say this. If you're a Christian, then you should marry a Christian. If you're married, everybody been married or is married. No, you got a million other things you can fight about. I don't want to fight about who's God. Right. <laughs> I don't want to fight about who we're going to serve and who we're going to worship. I want him to be the law and the letter of our relationship, of our house, even how we raise our kids. And we ain't on the same page with who's God. We're going to have a whole nother issue. So God wants us to love him, to come him. So if, if, if this right here is shown, this is a couple that you do not want to mimic. You have the insecure and weak man and the powering, controlling woman. That's Jezebel Ahab. So I touched on her for a little bit in the Inside Out series. And in chapter 20, uh, the, the wicked king, uh, God told him, look here, I'm giving you the battle. So Abraham, God, God's talking to Ahab, excuse me, I'm giving you the battle, victory over Ben Habad. I'm giving you the victory. I know you've been wicked, but my people need to be saved. So I'm going to give you the victory over these people. So Ahab's ecstatic that God's going to give him the victory because he's doing it for Israel, not just Ahab's sake. So God is giving him the victory in chapter 20. And he goes and the, the soldiers come and they kill all his people. But the king Ben-Habad is, is spared. Ahab decides to spare the king, even though this man has done evil and wicked, has hurt Israel, did all kind of things. He spares the king. Then God gets upset. So God sends a prophet and says, look here, since you did not get rid of the king, now I'm going to trade your life for his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you didn't do what I asked you to do. Now you got to pay for it. Look at somebody and say, obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I wish I had four or five people that know when God say move, I'm going to move. When God say go, I'm going to go. And if he don't say nothing, I'm going to be still and know that he's still God. Amen. I'm going to sit there and wait until I hear his voice. I'd rather move with God than move without God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't care how good it looks or how tempting it may be or what you think you, God might want. Do what he says. Amen. My favorite quote is Charles Stanley. Obey God and leave all the consequences up to him. Obey him and then you ain't got to worry about nothing else. Do what he said. So the prophet comes and gives him this word, and he's just upset. He goes home. He's angry. He's pouting. Fast forward. Now we get to chapter 21 of uh, 1 Kings. 
And the verse says this, And it came to pass after these things, Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the place Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I might have it for vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard, vineyard better than it. For if it seems good to you, I will give you money. I will give you the money it's worth. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the influence, excuse me, inheritance of my fathers to you. Wow. Look at Ahab's request. He comes and says, your vineyard is close to my palace. It's a beautiful vineyard. I want it. And I'm willing to give you money for it. I'm the king. I got the bread. I got all the loot. If you don't want to just give it to me, I, I, I give you money for it as well. I give you something actually better than it is. But if you know something better than what I got, why you want what I got? If you know something better already, why don't you go take what's better? You're the king. Why do you want what I got? Be careful how people try to manipulate you and use you. To trick you to use your words. The king is playing the mind game with him. I got something better. Just give me your stuff. But guess what Naaf says? You know what? I can't do this uh, because this is the inheritance of my fathers. What does that mean? That means that he knew that God ordered Israel that in those days he didn't want you to sell your ancestors' land. That was your land, your plot. He wanted you to keep it. So Naboth knows the law of God and says, I can't get, even though you're the king, I can't sell it or give it to you because God has ordained us to take care of what we had and what our ancestors gave us. So he's mad. He's upset now. So don't miss this principle right here. Out of loyalty to God, Naboth was willing to decline the offer. Look about that. Out of loyalty to God, the king was willing to give him something for even money. He probably could have named his price because the king wanted it so bad. But out of loyalty to God, he was able to decline the offer. Yeah, I know she's fine with more uh, curves than a roller coaster. I know she is. But are you willing, because you love God, to decline the offer? Yeah, yeah. I know he's tall, dark, and handsome, and all them things you want, everything. But are you willing to decline the offer because of your loyalty to God? I know that place offering you more money, but they don't have any integrity. They don't have any ethics. And if you do that job, you're going to question your integrity. You're going to live a way in which you know you shouldn't be living. Are you willing to, to decline offers? Out of your loyalty to God. Amen. I love Naboth for that, man. He, he don't care about money. He don't care about it. I got to be loyal to God. So, so the king is a power, y'all. He went home. He's angry. He's upset now because of what Naboth told him. I can't give you my inheritance. The king's up mad. He's in his bed. And, and he's upset. And he just got his own little attitude. And check this out. Uh, in verse 5, sorry, I'm paraphrasing because there's a lot to cover. I can't cover everything today. But, but just, he goes home. He's pouting. He's upset. Jezebel comes home now. She says, oh, my goodness. What's wrong with you? What are you in the bed pouting for, son? What, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you angry? He's so angry. He's in the bed. He's the king, y'all. He's in the bed. He's pouting. He's upset. And he ain't eating no food. What kind of man is this? You upset? You went home and got in your bed and pouting and said, I ain't eating no more food now because he won't give me what I want. So Jezebel comes home and says, what, what are you doing? Why are you so angry and why aren't you eating food? So he gives her the rundown. Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. It's next to the palace. It's beautiful. I want it. I try to give him another one across town, but I want this one. He won't do it. And then she's looking at him like you a little boy. She said, uh, uh, what's wrong with you? What, what, why are you sitting there proud like a little boy? Look at verse 7. Look what she tells him. You now exercise your authority over Israel. Arise and eat food and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. 
So she got to go in and step in because he's so upset. She can't figure out how are you the king and you can't get what you want. Wow. How are you the king? You're supposed to be the most powerful. This is your name. You're supposed to run the nation and you can't even get what you want. That doesn't make sense to me. You are the man and you can't even get a vineyard. So she's like, you know what? I ain't got time for you. You at home throwing temperatures like a little boy. You mad. You upset. I ain't got time for you. You go eat. Be, 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 be cool. I will get the vineyard for you. That's a trip, y'all. Look at what, look at, look at what she did. And then she wrote letters in Ahab's name, verse 8. Sealed them with his seal and sent letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. So she took it upon herself to get something for her king who was acting like a little boy. No, don't get it twisted. I'm not a male chauvinist. I'm not against women in any kind of way, shape, form, or fashion. But when men don't lead, it forces women to step up. That's why it's important to marry the right person. Because we all have moments where we trip and we all have moments where we're a little off. But instead of going after the garden, which she knew she should have known he couldn't have anyway, she should have talked some sense into him. Bring him back down to rationalize. Okay, you might can't have that garden, but look at the other gardens. You are the king. You can pick any garden you want. I know it's close to our house, but we got chariots for days, baby. We can just ride across town. We can just roll out. Why do you got, you ain't got to have this, you ain't got to have this garden. See, the right woman, check this out. The right woman would be your voice of reason, not your voice of treason. Oh, no, when you got the right woman in your life, she would be your voice of reason to help you out to rationalize the men ain't perfect. Sometimes we be tripping. Sometimes our emotions get high, too. Don't get it twisted, but the right woman will help you get to the right spot. But see, she, she, she on her own thing. She ain't, trying, she ain't trying to hear that. So Abraham goes. He go, Ahab goes to eat, lets his wife go do something uh, she shouldn't have done. He lets her go and do his dirty work. Mm. Yeah. She only had as much authority being the queen. She only had so much authority being the queen. So guess what? That's why verse 8 says she wrote the letters in Ahab's name. Yeah. Because she the queen. She, she got a powerful position. Don't get it twisted. But she can only do as much as the king said. So she had to go and manipulate the king's power to get her plan in motion. So he goes and do her dirty work. Let's look at verse 9 where we started at with the letter. So she wrote the letter saying this. Proclaim a fast and seek Naboth with high honor among the people. And seek two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. What in the world is going on? We have discussed prayer and fasting for several weeks, right? Been dealing with God making miracles and do all these things. And what do we know about fasting? Fasting is a time to humble ourselves. Fasting is a time to confess our sins. Fasting is a time to draw near to God because we need God so bad. We, we, need, we got injustices in our family sometimes in our society. The world around us is tripping. So we are fasting for a reason. To draw closer to God is a time of dedication, but... She calls a fast to set up a hit on a man. I want us to have a clear understanding that we have to be fasting for the right reasons. See, because if I'm fasting for the wrong reasons, check this out. I'll be fasting for a miracle, but my heart full of malice. Yeah, yeah. If I'm fasting for the wrong reason, I'll be fasting for a breakthrough, but I'm filled with bitterness. 
If I'm fasting for the wrong reason, I'll fast for five minutes but can't forgive nobody. We got to be careful and make sure that we're fasting for the right reason, that our motives are right. This kind of fasting isn't going to move God at all. They have not confessed their sins. They have not repented. And guess what? God ain't listening. Psalm 66 says this. If I hold iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if I got unconfessed sin in my heart, guess what? My prayers ain't going above the ceiling. I got to confess my sins before God can help us with anything. So she has set up a hit on this man that's tripped out. Let's look at verse 11. So then the men of the city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent to them. As it was written in the letters which she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. So even though it was wrong what they was doing, they still followed instructions. Yes. This lets you know how powerful the king is. Mm-hmm. Yes, why she didn't understand, like, how come you can't do anything when you're really the king? You can really do just about anything, but it shouldn't be things that disobey God, but you have some power and jurisdiction in you. So why did they follow the king? Because it was a royal mandate. Because if they were disobedient and didn't do what the king says, if he was going to kill Naboth, why wouldn't he kill them? Yeah. So if I if I, I want to live, I better do what they say and go ahead and, and make this a, a proclamation against him that he sinned against the king and sinned against God. So they sent the two men, check this out, verse 10. Two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Naboth was seating in the seat of our honor and two dirty rotten scoundrels came up. They came against him and witnessed against him. To bring such an accusation, such 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 a, a, a claim against somebody, you had to at least have two witnesses. That's, that's a moment of life and death. I can't just take one word for it. Jezebel knew that. So I got to put up at least two people so they will believe him. Because if it's two against one, that's enough to get this man killed. So she had a plan, a, a strategic plan set in place to get him killed in stone. So I just want to encourage you, guess what? You, we live in a world where you can be wrongly convicted even though you did everything right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can be wrongly convicted even if you did everything right. Living in this world, especially in America as a black man, we know that you can do everything right. And you can be wrongly convicted. But guess what? Even more as a black man, even as a Christian, you can do everything right. Jesus said, remember this. When the world hates you, remember they hated me first. When they hate you, they hated me first. So don't get mad because ain't no servant above his master. People are going to hate you and do things against you. He said, when they speak all the evil against you and all kind of vow and persecute you for my name's sake, be exceedingly glad. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. So you got to be prepared to know that even though I love Jesus, sometimes some wrong things might happen. Not just because of me, because people don't love God and love Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So the man... So the man sent a letter to Jezebel, check this out, in verse 15, he said this. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead. Then Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but he is dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab got up, went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Man, that shuts me out. Bro, I've been at home, pouting, starving, mad and upset. 
Wifey come home and look here. I know he wouldn't take your money. I know, but I handled it. Go and get the vineyard. He's dead now. Go get it. He got up, he says, went down to take possession. He didn't hesitate. And my younger generation probably think about shoes. Jezebel, ride or die. What you talking about, Pastor? She went and loved her man. Went and got the vineyard, put a hit on somebody. She a ride or die chick, Pastor. What you talking about? I need me a Jezebel in my life. Sure, I need her. She holding her man down. But see, we missed the point. She not really happy that she had to do that. She mad because he forced her to make a decision that she didn't have to make. She had to go and set up a hit and kill somebody because her man couldn't get up and make a decision. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. She's upset and angry. Look at look, look at her brother real quick and say, make decisions. Make decisions. Because she didn't make a decision. He didn't make a decision. He put his wife in a bind. Now a person is dead now. Yeah. And what trips me out is because the person is dead. And homeboy just jumps up and claims it. He just jump up and says, I got to go take possession now. I ain't did nothing. So we got to be careful of a person like Ahab because what? He has a covetous spirit. He covets things. Be careful dealing with anybody that's covetous. I want to give you a couple traits, few traits of a covetous spirit. First thing is a person that covets is mean. They're not happy. Why? Because they want what you got. They are all, that, that, the other word you use for that is jealousy. They're enraged by what you have. So when you're dealing with somebody that's covetous, they're never really happy. They're always mad about what this person has and what that person has and what they have and what they don't got. They're always playing the compare game. So beware of somebody with a covetous spirit because they're mean. Second one is they're cowardly. When someone is a covet, they're a coward because they were probably talking about you behind your back and didn't want to brag to you when you got your stuff. They excited when they're around you when you got your stuff, but when they ain't around you, guess what? They talking about you. They, they, they won't face the music and deal with issues. So a person that covets, that wants what you got, or always talking about whatever somebody else has is a cowardly person. And another reason I say they're coward, because guess what? If God gave you two hands and two feet in the brain, if I got it, you can get it too. Uh, all you got to do is work. All you got to do is go do for it, pray for it, go grind for it. You can get it too. But because you're a coward, you won't step out on faith and do what, what you need to do. Don't try to block my faith. They're a cowardly person. And the third characteristic, they're heartless. As we just seen, a hit was put out on a man because he wanted it so bad. Because that's why the Bible says... The love of money is the root of all evil. Right. Why? Because if I want it bad enough, I'm willing to do anything to get it. Yeah. If I love it more, if I love it that much, it don't matter who I got to hurt to get it. That's why we got so many murders now in our city, not just us, but across the nation, especially in the inner city behind drugs. And Why? Because I want that so bad. I'm willing to take away you to get it, no matter the cost. So beware of people that have a covetous spirit because they mean you no good. So check this out. What messed me up about Ahab is he went to go get the vine vineyard. He goes down, takes possession, but he never asked what happened. Right. Why is dude dead? Right. Baby. <laughs> you told me you was going to handle it. You was going to take care of it. Bruh, dead? Right. Last I heard, we was proclaiming the fast and putting him in the seat of honor. He dead? But even one more, what trips me out is that he didn't even grieve. 
Ahab wasn't upset. He didn't care about nothing but that garden. Trust me out because you the man, you the king of Israel, your wife out here making soprano hits and you don't know nothing about it. <laughs> How you don't know nothing, bro? You, the, you should know everything. You the king. Any moves like that got to be, no, got to go through me first. And your wife out here making hits and you don't know nothing about it. Y'all married. She not consulting you about any major decisions like that. Don't miss that. They married, which means the two should become one. And she ain't even talking to him about a major decision. Wow. Uh, so instead of being look, looked at as a husband, he's being looked at as a little boy. Yeah. 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 Those that had sometimes a single mother know that, that, that they had to work hard to provide for you. That, that they had to go above and beyond sometimes. Or maybe a single parent or whatever the case may be, they had to go above and beyond. And guess what? To give us all these things that we might have needed, we might not even known the struggle they had to go through. We don't know the late nights they had to work over time, the staying over, the mandate, whatever they had to do to make it work for us. But guess what? It wasn't our job enough because we was children. Their job was to provide. So why is she providing for him and not telling him what's happened, treating him like a little boy? Oh my goodness. So we gotta get to a point. Watch this. I, I noticed for a fact that 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 a real woman is not a drill sergeant. Okay. Watch this. Real woman want her man to take a lead. You better say that. Yes. All the women should have yes. some money up or something that me back there. They got a man that like throw me some money up here or something. They should you Christian pastor or something. I, I don't know. But a real woman wants her man to take a lead. So check this out. When a woman has confidence in your ability to follow God and heed his instructions, she ain't got no problem submitting to you. No problem. Because she know you're talking to the Heavenly Father first. She know you prayed about it. She know, guess what? And even if you if you hit a bumpy road, she still know God got you because you got a relationship with the Father. She's willing to submit to that. Because it might sometimes God be trying to teach you something. But guess what? If we do what we're supposed to do and love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, she has no problem following your lead. Don't miss that. The women want to follow our lead. But we got to give them something to follow. Amen. Amen. Let me get back on track. Y'all, y'all tripping. Y'all tripping. <laughs> public service now real quick. Talking about Ahab and Jezebel. Let me, let me get back. So Ahab is the neighbor's garden. Uh, that he stole. So Abraham, he went. Ahab and went down. He installed a garden. He, I can imagine him walking through that mud, plucking out the grapes, eating the fresh fruit, going through the veggies, eating stuff that's happy. Look at my beautiful garden by my castle. I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm just eating, doing good. Everything is rolling fine. But then this happens. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, "Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria." There he is in the vineyard where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him saying, thus say the Lord, have, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying, thus say the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, because he was stoned, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Yes. Wow. So God calls a prophet now to go bring judgment on, uh, 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 cause Elijah to bring judgment on Ahab. He got to go speak to him. Notice he says, but you took possession, but you committed murder. I don't see no mention of Jezebel right there. Why? Because the man is held accountable. 
He the king. Yeah. Where Adam was in the garden and they ate. God didn't say, where are y'all at? Where are thou, Adam? Because I put you in charge. Because you're the man. You're supposed to make sure your woman ain't talking to snakes. You're supposed to make sure she know my instructions and my commandments. You're the man. You got to do it. So what did Adam say? So, so he said, what? I ate it, but it was the woman you gave me. Not taking responsibility for his actions. Y'all see the problem with that? See, even in his fault, you still got to take responsibility. See, 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 the problem is we want to be the Adams family. You know the Adams family? They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, play how they want to play, live how they want to, smack how they want to smack, that's how they gonna. The Adams family. Yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to be the Adams family. We want to do whatever we want to do and how we want to do it, and then get mad that stuff don't go the way we want it to go. That's what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. Because some of us been living like Ahab, doing whatever we thought we was big enough and bad enough to do. Yeah. But then guess what? God got to knock you off your high horse. He got to knock you off that pride. He got to knock you off that rebellion. Because if he don't knock you off of it, it's going to kill you. So what does God do? He calls Elijah the prophet. Who guess what? His wife Jezebel has already tried to kill once. Yeah. Yeah, I talked about that in the, in the depression Sadness inside out that Elijah had came depressed. Why? Because he had did, had did a contest, and whoever served the real God, they was worshiping Baal. She had got four hundred prophets, and Elijah set up on Mount Carmel. He began to say, "You know what? Do y'all thing. Y'all, uh, we gonna have a contest. Whoever God brings fire down from the sky is the real God." So they get to doing their thing, and the Baal prophets begin to yell to Baal. He gave them all day. They cutting themselves and bleeding, yelling, "Baal, Baal, Baal, Baal!" Elijah cold blood. He start mocking them. <laughs> where he at? He your God? Is he sleep? What is he doing? Is he slumber? Why where your God at? So they came, they going, they crying, they crying, they crying. No fire comes from the sky. Elijah so cold blood. What he said? Look here, you got that wood altar. Go ahead and drench it in water once. Yeah. Pull it out of the water. Go ahead and drench it in water again. They pour it out. Go ahead and just drench it. Make sure that thing is just filled with water. He prays to God, and guess what? Fire comes down from heaven, lights the whole thing. God proves he's God. In the midst of that, Elijah killed all four hundred prophets of Baal. Jezebel was mad. So she's like, I got to kill that man. I'm going to put a hit out on him. Elijah runs. So he's gone away. Now he's in the cave. He's depressed. He's sad because he don't know what's going on. But God told him, don't trip. I got 7,000 more prophets that never served Baal. So you're good. I got you. But it's been like seven years since all this happened. So God's telling him to go back to face a person that almost tried to kill him. You can't be scared of the devil as late as Thomas said today. Yeah. A person that's put a hit out on my life. Because if God said move, guess what? I got to move. Even though she put a hit out on my life, Elijah knows, guess what? God got me no matter. So I got to go back and speak this truth. Don't be scared to go back and speak truth. Because somebody needs your truth. Yes. Yes. That's good. If we don't speak truth, how they going to get healed? How they going to get delivered? How they going to get set free? Somebody needs the truth. So he sends them back to go and talk to him. So he goes and talks to him. He's like, look here, bro. We're going to have a conversation. It's a lot going on. Uh, you can act like you didn't know nothing. You can act like you didn't want to acknowledge it. But God said you are responsible. Yes. You took possession of the failure. Because you out here letting your wife bust moves and you don't know nothing about it. 
Because you're doing that, you are the man. I'm holding you responsible. And since you have done the same thing, the same place where Naboth was stoned and the dogs licked his blood, is the same place the dogs going to lick your blood. This is what writing me down. God, God gave me this. I'll put it on the screen. You can take a picture. Just because you don't accept responsibility doesn't mean you can eliminate yourself from accountability. You caught me on that. Just because you don't accept responsibility doesn't mean you can eliminate yourself from accountability. What's that mean? We got, we got a law system in the United States. And guess what? If three people go in and rob the bank and you decide to drive the car, I understand you didn't go in there with the guns. I understand you didn't tell nobody to get down and lay down. I understand you didn't go in there and take the money. But because you drove the car doesn't mean you don't got to go to jail for the bank robbery. So just because we don't want to accept responsibility for certain things, you still got to be accountable. Yeah. Look here, responsibility is so cold-blooded that responsibility never leaves. Yeah. Right. Okay. If I don't handle my responsibility, that don't mean it goes away. It just shifts to the next person. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So if I don't handle what I'm supposed to handle, now guess what? Somebody else got to handle more yeah. because I wasn't accountable. So in the midst of this, God is trying to teach us how to be responsible because responsibility equals accountability. That's good. That's good. So let's, let's look at this. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me? Oh, my enemy. Dang. That's the first thing you say when you see me. Last I checked, you put a hit on my life. Have you found me? Oh, my enemy. And look what, is, uh, look what Elijah answered. I have found you because you have sold yourself to evil in the sight of the Lord. Mm. Woo. Oh Ahab was convinced Elijah was his enemy. Yeah. He had made up in his mind that Elijah had came and killed my prophets, got beef with my wife and doing all this crazy stuff. He's convinced that this man doesn't like me. Mm. Seven years have went by and he's still convinced that he's his enemy. But it's a trip when, when, when someone considers you their enemy and you ain't did no evil to them. That messes me up right there because he considers him his evil. You and your wife are the king and queen of Israel. We're supposed to be serving Yahweh. We're supposed to be serving Jehovah. We're supposed to be serving the God that saved us, the God Jehovah, Jireh, all, all these names we have for him. But y'all built up altars to worship false gods for the nation that's supposed to serve the true and living God. And because y'all are the leaders, y'all made this thing acceptable. Mm. How am I your enemy? Mm. That's good. You were people like this, Elijah said. Look here, bro. Check this out. I ain't never been your enemy, and I ain't never wanted to be your enemy. I can imagine Elijah saying this. Check this out. The only reason I'm here is because you keep sinning. <laughs> I wouldn't know you, wouldn't talk to you, wouldn't have words with you if you didn't keep doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, he ain't taking no responsibility. Mm. Only reason I'm here is to make you accountable for your actions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for your issues and your sins. God wouldn't even send me your way if you was doing what you're supposed to do. Right. But because I'm speaking on behalf of God, guess what? That makes you, makes me your enemy. Wow. The only reason I'm here is because you won't seek his forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Those of us that know. They have children. We already know how it goes. Sometimes you can talk to them about the problem and, and let that go. Um, 
We talk about it. You might take some things away from you now. Because we talked about it. You still do what you want to do. Now I'm going to take some things away from you because that might hurt you. But now we're in the stage three where we pass talking and we pass taking away things. <laughs> now I got to go grab my friends. <laughs> my tools of instruction, like I like to call them. Now I got to grab some tools of instruction to get you on track. Because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. No difference than God. We are his children. He tries and talks to us sometimes. And we won't listen. Then he starts taking stuff away from us. And we're like, God, what's happening? Why you keep doing this? Why you keep doing this? Because you ain't seek my forgiveness. Then sometimes he got to get tools of instruction. To speak a word to your heart. To get you and call you on the carpet. Why? Because he wants you to seek his forgiveness. We have to know that God is after that. Our forgiveness, us for give us to ask for forgiveness from Him, so He can continue to bless us. So I got to paraphrase twenty one to twenty four. Uh, Elijah tells Ahab, "Look here, though, calamity about to come to your house, bro. I I can't hide it no more. God has told me calamity is coming to your house, not only to your house, but destruction is coming to every male seed of Ahab." Every male of you got to die now. Every person that's a male has to be cut off from you now. Both bond and free. This judgment was identical to another wicked king, Jehoram. I told you Naboth was trying to honor God by not selling his land to his by his fathers. How are you the king and don't know about the judgments about other wicked kings? You're the leader of Israel. You should know God. You should be the forerunner and representing and serving God and all these things. But you mean to tell me you the king and you don't know the history of the people that disobey God? Or are you the king and you just don't care? See, we have to learn this principle. The higher your position is, the higher your level of accountability. Yes. Yeah. 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 See, see, I work for the post office. I started as a carrier. When I was a carrier, guess what I was responsible for? Just my route. My six, seven hundred addresses, my mail and my pace, that's all I had responsibility for. Nothing more, nothing less. But when I became a supervisor, I was responsible for all my delivery, all my carriers now. So I've been at station sometimes I've had up to 40, 50, some down to 18, whatever the case may be. Wherever station I was at, I was responsible for all my supervisors. Doing every, I mean, all my carriers doing everything they're supposed to do. Making sure their cases were clean, they were delivering their mail, getting back on time, the numbers. Everything I was responsible for. But when I became the manager, I was not only responsible for the carriers, I was responsible for everything in my zip code there. Yeah. Right. That zip code belongs to me. So I got to take accountability for everything from the clerks, the carriers, the scan. Everything that goes on in my zip code is now my responsibility. Why? Because now I'm a higher level. I got higher levels of accountability. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So don't try to move up if you don't want to be accountable or nothing. Right. Everybody want to be a boss till it's time to make decisions. When it's time to fire and hire, when it's time to correct and move and do all that, nobody want to be a boss. You want boss pay, but don't want to make boss moves. No. You must learn this. The higher position I take, praise God, the higher position I take, the more accountable I have to be. So it wasn't just Ahab's personal sin. But it's because he led Israel into sin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's one thing if you're doing your own thing, living your own life, doing you, and just concentrate on you. I said, me, I want to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. But once I start leading people into rebellion, yeah. ooh, you, you, you held up a whole nother level of 
I decided to be a leader in something wrong. So just like I had to be accountable for doing something good, I got to be accountable for doing wrong as well. So he became a leader in rebellion against God. So when that happens, guess what? Judgment won't be pretty. No, no, it won't be pretty. It won't be pretty. So after Elijah's prophecy against all the males related to Ahab, then he comes for Jezebel. He says, your wife, who has been manipulating and orchestrating all these evil plans all throughout Israel, all this false god worship, she even fasted to pretend a man was in high honor to kill him to get you what you want. The same city she killed Naboth in, the dogs would eat her there. Yes. Yes. Wow. The dogs, now they're not going to lick her blood. They're going to eat her there. Yes. And, and read this when you get home because I ain't got time to go through it. But Second Kings uh, chapter 9, it was a young man named Jehu. He was a Jehoshaphat's son. He became the next king of Israel. So now it's time for judgment to be paid for Jezebel. So he's going around. He's killing prophets of Baal, doing what God called him to do. Elisha now is there. Elisha appoints him king. Elijah has gone on to heaven now and rode in chariots. Elisha, his, his uh, uh, apprentice is now is taking over. And he tells him, go find Jezebel. We got we to go seek her out. And guess where she is? In Jezreel, the same place where Naboth was killed. Yeah. She's in there. She's up there. She see him coming. She's putting on her little makeup and her little war stuff. She ready. She don't care. She ain't tripping off nobody. I'm putting on my crown. I'm putting on my makeup. I'm looking good. Ain't nothing going to happen. And guess what? He tells the man, throw her down. So some two men, some two units came and throw her down from the tower. Boom. She dies. And then the dogs come and eat her up. And then when they try to go bury her, guess what? They come back. They couldn't even find nothing but her skull, her palms, and her feet. That's all they found. Because guess what? When you lead people into rebellion, you can't think the judgment ain't going to be higher because you held to a higher level of accountability. I know y'all probably thinking like, man, that's some harsh punishment going on right here. Pastor, I ain't come to church for that. <laughs> Woo, got a lot going on in this story. A lot going on. People heard judgment coming. But check this out. You know, I, I can't leave you on a bad note. Because God is too good, amen. amen. Judgment is part of God. We can't miss that. That's how he did it. We, we parents, right? We got to sometimes deal with our kids. No, no difference. And, and if God wasn't a righteous judge, what kind of trouble we be in if he let people get away with stuff? Right. Okay. Yeah. If, if yeah. God, it trips me out that, that when something bad happens in our life, Holy Ghost just spoke to me because I got to clear this up. Because some people worry about the judgment of God. It trips me out that, that, that when, when something happens to our family member, we want justice. Yeah. Don't let it happen to our family or our loved ones. We want justice. Yeah. But, 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 but if it has something to do with us and, and we can get out of something, we don't want justice. What kind of stuff is that? Okay. What if God did that? What if God only brought justice when it was in, his, in our favor and let everybody else get away with stuff? He wouldn't be a righteous and holy God then. He don't move his judgment. They stay the same for everybody and everybody. So we got to understand that God is righteous in everything he does because everybody gets a time to repent for their sins. So look at, look, look at verse 25. But there was no, but there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up, and he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Look at that. I know the judgment was harsh, but it says that Ahab was president setting in wickedness. In the sight of the Lord, there was no one like him. I mean, his bro was the, the epiphany of being wicked. And it was because he let his wife stir him up. Be careful who you marry. Yeah. 
His wickedness, he probably already had, he had something in his heart that led him to her, but it got to a whole nother level when they came together. So, so, so beware of this because the person you marry will either push you towards your destiny or pull you toward destruction. Yeah, yeah. The person you marry will either push you towards your destiny. That's what they should be doing, pushing you toward your destiny. But marry the wrong person. You ain't strong enough, they will pull you to destruction. So all my singles who are dating and courting and all those things, are they married material? Don't waste your time. Why are we wasting our time when they ain't even worth my time? Why are you giving them the time of day and they ain't even worth it? If you ain't trying to push me to what God has for me, if you don't understand the calling of God on my life, if you don't understand what God is trying to take me, why am I with you? Because at the end of the day, you're going to pull me back into a place I don't want to be. So be careful. It's a tug of war going on in every aspect of life. So look, 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 look at First Kings 20, uh, 27. Check this out. So it was Ahab. When, he, when Ahab heard the words that he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth on his body, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. Woo! This is the point I was trying to make, y'all. We did all that to get right here. All that. I tell you all that story to get right here. And this is the goodness of God. I love it. Uh, Ahab had heard all the things his so-called enemy Elijah had said. I'm going to kill all the men. All, all the men related to you. They got to die. They got to go. Your wife going to get thrown from a tower. She's going to die. Ate by the dogs. I'm coming. The sword is coming to your house. And guess what? He immediately tore his clothes. See, y'all miss y'all shout. It's cool. It's cool. He, he, he tore his clothes. What does that mean? Tearing your garment was an expression of grief, of terror, of extreme repentance yes. in the face of great personal calamity or even a national calamity. So tearing your clothes means that I am sorry. Yes. Maybe think about Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster coming and ripping up his shirt and boom and tearing. That's how it is. Ripping our clothes was a sign of repentance. Yes. See, Ahab, that shows me what? Ahab knew better. Because he seemed like a wicked king. He didn't know what he was doing. And no God did whatever he wanted to do. But he knew how to repent by tearing his clothes. Which means he knew better. But he didn't choose better. Be careful when you know better. But don't choose better. Yeah, yeah. Because if you know better and don't choose better. Guess what? You're held accountable for your actions. You can't push responsibility on someone else. So Ahab then put sackcloth on his body. What is sackcloth? Sackcloth is like ashes. And on his body, he took a, a, a publicly expression to sow sorrow or regret for what he had done. So he put sackcloth and ashes on his body, which means people will put that on themselves to let you know that I have done something terribly wrong. And I ain't ashamed to be before people to know I'm in a repentant state. I don't care who see and who know. I messed up. I did something I shouldn't have done. And I need God's forgiveness. So I'm going to cover myself with ashes. It's a public apology for your actions. So even though I messed up big time, I gotta know what I gotta let everybody know what's going on. And then the verse says he fasted. So he knew how to repent, he knew how to do it publicly before the nation, and he knew how to fast. They have been fronting, y'all. He knew how to do all these things. And his wife set up a fast to kill somebody. So if he knew how to fast, 
how to repent and how to do all these things, why is she running amok? Why is he not saying nothing? See how the weak man has forced this woman now to become the decision maker. The mover and shaker of the house. And that's been the enemy's plan from the beginning. That's why, guess what? The devil didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve. To destroy authority. To mess things up. He went to Eve and said, as God said this, as God said that, as God did this. No, God hadn't said that. Confusing her, playing with her mom, manipulating her. He didn't go to the man. Why? Because he wanted the woman to rule over the man. So that's why when God comes in and sets back the judgment, he judges the snake and gets to Eve. He says, now your desire will be for your husband because you messed up and went out of order. Now I got to set this thing back in place. So she knows how to follow and submit to you. So we must realize that's always been the enemy's plan to put the woman in charge and forefront to make the man sit back. So I was talking to the men yesterday and I was telling them that I don't care what happened. No great movement or strong movement doesn't happen without strong brothers. You got to have some strong brothers in place to make a strong movement. Uh, uh, I gave them the example that, 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 uh, that uh, Rosa sat down and got things jumping. But things didn't get civil rights moving to Martin started to march. Rosa did something and got us somewhere. But she wouldn't have got us where we needed to be alone. Martin Luther King had to come down there and do something about it. Women are great and we love them. We go, knows we need them. We need help meets in our life. Don't get it twisted. I'm not a male chauvinist. You need a good woman to help you because guess what? Women help us see our blind spots, men. We got blind spots. I know I do. Some things I just don't see. <laughs> Can't see it, don't see it. Nah, really, baby? You think so? Yeah, I know so. Because <laughs> we men, some stuff we just ain't looking for. Okay. We don't see it. Yeah. So you need, you got to allow her to grow on her role as a help. She's a help meet. Not a servant, not a slave, a help meet. Amen. She helps you get to where you need to be, pull you towards your destiny. Amen. So it shows the king. He goes and he fasts and he's full of repentance. And look what happens now. And the word of the Lord came to Elisha the Tisha by saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he had humbled himself before me, I will not bring this calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. So Elijah is so in tune with God that he can hear God make a shift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need that in my life. I need to be so in tune with God that even though God sent me on this mission, I'm going to listen if he changed it up. All right. So Elijah, God says, no, no, now it's something different. This man didn't really humble himself. Well, how does God know he humbled himself? Because God knows our hearts. Proverbs 16 and 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs his motives. Yes. Yes. Psalms 44 and 21. Would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Jeremiah 17. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the minds, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. So that's for all my God knows my heart, people. You're right. Absolutely right. 150%. He know your heart. He know what you really mean okay. and what you really don't. Okay. He's weighing your motives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So God knows my heart is not a free 
Uh, <laughs> y'all know what I'm trying to say. Not a pass on the sin. That's not what it's there for. Not a pass to sin. It's a pass to examine yourself and say, God really does. Because if he knows my heart, that means guess what? What is God showing us? That Ahab, as wicked as he was, done more evil than everybody, but he confessed it and God covered it. Woo! Yes. That even though I've done all this wrong, because I truly confessed it and humbled myself, God still moved on his behalf? Yeah. Can I suggest to you that pride is what's stopping God from moving on your behalf? God can't get to where he wants to get to you and give you the desires of your heart because you're filled with too much pride, too much ego. It has to die. Two words in the kingdom of God have to die. My and I. The words got to die in your life. Everything can't be mine. Everything can't be I. I, I can't be about me. We have to learn to die to those words. A man Ahab had considered an enemy was about to give him a different report. But he humbled himself. And God changed it. God says, because you humble yourself before me, and it's real, because I can see your heart now, I will not bring this calamity in your day. You will not see it. I know, I, I know what you're thinking. When God saw his heart and he humbled himself, why didn't God just take away all the judgments? I mean, God seen this man humble himself. God seen his heart, right? Why didn't God just say, you know what? I forgive you. We wiping away all that stuff. We start on a clean slate today, Ahab. Brand new day for you. But this is why I love God. Because God will forgive you for your sins. But he don't take away your consequences. Okay. Yeah. 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 What do you mean, Pastor? Give you an example. Just because you got seven baby mamas and now you get saved, yeah. that don't mean God going to take away the child support. Okay. <laughs> you saved now, yup. You've been forgiven. <laughs> Definitely. But you still got to deal with the consequences of your actions. So God saves us from our sin, but not the consequences. Because we got to be accountable for our actions. If you don't remember no word today, remember responsibility and accountability. So God wants us to be responsible for every mess that we've made. I'm about to close. Uh, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. Alzheimer's is a trip. Why? Because people that catch Alzheimer's forget things little by little. Little by little, their mind goes away and they forget. And it gets to a point that it gets so bad, what? They forget their spouses. They forget their children. They forget everything. They can't remember. Sometimes they can't even feed themselves. Just can't remember how to do anything. So Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. And I think sometimes the reason we're not humble is because we get spiritual Alzheimer's. Yeah. We begin little by little, we begin to forget what God has done for us. We begin to get our, our life in order so we think we begin to get our jobs and get to get our degrees and get our finances and, and move in. All these things start to get better and better for us. And the more things get better for us, we start thinking that we did it all ourselves. And we get Alzheimer's. We forget about all the things God has done. So we must remember in all things to what? Be humble. Be humble because I know God might have blessed me with a 750 credit score. I got the car that I want. I'm driving. I'm living my great job. But I got to remember to be humble. I know I might have my crib furnished. I got my money now. Bank account good. I got the savings and the checking. I ain't in a red. I can swipe my car when I want to. Uh, but I got to remember to be humble. At some point, no matter how much you think you got or whatever you think you have, you're going to need God. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because cause, cause, cause a cancer report will make somebody be humble. Right. Yeah, it don't matter what you think you got or what you think you balling or what you got. When the doctor comes with some bad news, yes. it don't matter all the material things. The first thing going to be in your mind is Jesus. The first thing you're going to say is, I need you, God. It don't matter. We got to always remember to be humble. Why? Because the Bible says this. God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. God resists you. If you God won't want to fool with you if you're proud. Because guess what? Nobody's not to be proud but God. He made us. He gave us breath. He gives us everything that we got. If anybody allowed to be proud and arrogant, it's God. Not us. We are creation. Not creator. We are creation. The Bible says this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God who will exalt you in due time. See, we want to be exalted, and God wants to exalt us. God wants to bless us and put us on a pedestal. But guess what? You got to humble yourself first. Because in due time, because when he do it, it's going to be perfect. When he do it, it's going to be right. When he do it, can't nobody take it away from you. When he do it, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be glorifying. Why? Because God took his time to exalt you in the right time. He ain't going to put you up there to mess it up. He ain't going to put you up there to give it away. No, he's going to exalt you in the right time. The word of God says for you will save humble people and bring down proud looks. Last scripture, a man's pride will bring him low, but, a, but in a humble spirit, he will retain honor. God wants us to be humble. And he wants us to honor him and give glory to his name. But if we're going to do any of that, guess what? We got to make sure it's right. Our motives. Because if we got ulterior motives, we might be able to manipulate friends. Might be able to manipulate family. Might be able to even manipulate your spouse. Might be thinking you're getting away with all these things. But God is weighing your motive of your heart. Jezebel thought she got away with it. She proclaimed the fast, got her husband a vineyard. Everything seemed to be working out in her good. But God had a prophet named Elijah and came and said, God can't have this foolishness no more. Because y'all been doing whatever y'all want to do. I got to set the record straight. Because if I don't get this straight, the people of Israel will be lost. Because they got lawless leaders. So I come here today asking you about your motives. What is God saying? God is saying, look here, I love you. Ain't nothing changed with me. I died for you. I sent my son. I, I, I've done everything I can for you. Now it's time for you to make a decision for me. I, I've seen what you did. I know what you did was wrong. I seen what you did last week, last year, last night. Maybe I don't. I, that 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 don't matter. What matters is today. If you could be like Ahab and humble yourself. Come to me and say I'm humble before God. I recognize my sins. I recognize my faults. I'm humble. God can save you and do anything. God is willing and able. So I don't know who you are, what you stand in need of. But if you're not saved, let today be your day. If you're not giving your heart to Christ, let today be your day. We're giving our hearts to everything else. We're giving too much time. The Bible tells us to redeem the time of the evil days. We got to redeem the time. I wish I had my time back when I wasn't serving God. I wish I had my time back when I was spending my money and God wasn't ruler over my money. I wish I had my time back. If I just had all the stupid time back, I'd be way better off. If you live long enough, you know you got some stupid time in your life that you wish you could get back. 
But the Bible calls for us to redeem the time. So if you know you need to be saved, let today be your day. Or maybe you are saved. You're just looking for a church home. We'd love to have you here. Lady Thomas and I would love to help you and encourage you and help you to be all God has called you to be. But you got to let God be God in your life. Allow God to move. Allow God to use you. He loves you. He's cared for you all this time. He's done it all. Walk with you every step of the way. I love God. God loves us even when we don't love him. He loves us even when we don't believe in him. His love don't change. As long as you're alive, you got a chance to get it right. So you know if you and God ain't where y'all need to be. If you don't have peace in your spirit about God, 